0: Good morning, world. Welcome to another episode of Zendependently Minded. Out of respect for everybody involved and everybody who was affected by the Uvalde shooting that occurred on May 24th, 2022, I'm not going to have the one, you know, intro ad that I have. So, this is just to let you know, this epi- episode is completely dedicated to the to those affected by the Uvalde shooting I can't give much. I, like I said, I, I, I don't really make money on this podcast. I have the one sponsor. If I did make any money, it would automatically 100% go to some kind of fund or, you know, GoFundMe page or or uh, some something that had to do with the families that were affected by the shooting. But I don't have that to offer. So the only thing I have to offer is my heart. My condolences and my prayers. And this episode is really just going to be talking about the shooting, talking about, you know, the best I can give is my brain, my heart, my thoughts, my prayers, my condolences. I'm going to kind of explore some so possible solutions, I'm gonna explore some possible ways that we can prevent another one of these from happening in the future, because I do believe there's always room for improvement no matter what but that's what this episode is going to consist of if it's not the kind of thing you want to listen to by all means skip skip this week's episode or skip them all and it's it's completely up to you but just a heads up you know that's that's all this episode is going to be about this week and then i'll resume the normal current events kind of stuff in the future but I'm going to dedicate the whole episode to that because it's something important to me. It's something, you know, that's very emotional. A lot of people are talking about, they're still talking about to this day. A lot of people are upset, as they should be. So, that's what this episode is going to consist of. So, here we go. Obviously, I stated earlier, on May 24th, 2022, a mentally ill... Completely evil person, opened fire at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. And he, as of today, I believe he, so he took the lives of 19 children, 3 adults, and injured 18 other people. There's been a lot of talk about, of course, you know, gun control. Immediately the media is going to cover, you know, they're going to dig into this this person's life try their absolute hardest to come up with a manifest, find a manifest, find threatening, you know, letters, and basically they expose, they find this person, and they put their entire identity, including most of the time their intentions, well, not intentions, if you take, if you walk into a school and you start firing with a gun, uh, a firearm, you're going, obviously your intentions have been made, but a lot, there's been a lot of discussions, a lot of just talk And I I wanted to wait for a little bit out of respect for the families affected and involved. I wanted to wait, you know, for facts to come out. I wanted to wait for experts to talk about this stuff. I wanted to wait for better people than myself, smarter people than myself, higher educated people uh, on stuff like this to talk before I got on and kind of formed my opinion or kind of talked about this and discussed it at all at length. At least on the podcast. Of course, I've done it in person with my wife and with uh, some friends. There's a lot to unpack, though. I'm—I've always prided myself in in being someone who does some research into things before I talk about them, especially things like this. You know, it's it's an it's a an ethical thing to do it's a moral thing to do, and then it's just a respectful thing to do for, for the families affected. So when, if and when there's a topic or there's something that I don't feel comfortable discussing, because I, for whatever reason, I just, you know, I don't know enough to talk about it comfortably. I will gladly admit that. I've never been the type of person to arrogantly assume i know the solutions to everything and if i don't know pull something out of my ass lots of people do that i'm not that kind of person when it comes to firearms though i've had discussions i've i've talked about things like this before i've learned gun safety i've been taken to a firing range i'm pro second amendment all that stuff just to get it out of the way that honestly doesn't matter when it comes to what i'm going to talk about today and potential solutions that other people have discussed and things that i've thought of before so hopefully if you get something out of this episode it's comfort or it's hope or something positive something that you know puts you at ease because this is a sad and it's a scary thing it's a scary tragedy especially if you're a parent especially even more so if you're a parent That lives in the United States, no parent should ever worry about their child being anything other than safe and happy at school, no matter what, no matter who the parent is, whether the parent is a good or bad person, the kid doesn't need to pay for the sins of their parents. No kid should ever have to worry about their own safety going to school point blank period. I can't imagine I can't even begin to imagine the feelings of parents that see things like this happen. And even worse, the the parents that lost kids because of this tragedy and because of other tragedies, not just Uvalde, but shootings rock America all the time. School shootings are not as common. But mass shootings outside of school are very common in the United States. Obviously, the media blows a lot of things out of proportion, but when it comes to sheer statistics, mass shootings, which I believe are defined as a shooting that involves, I think, let's see, a mass shooting, yeah, usually... usually. Is defined it's not it's loosely defined as a minimum of three or four victims of gun violence in a short period of time so if three or four victims are harmed or killed in a shooting that's defined as it's loosely defined as a mass shooting so mass shootings in america are actually common people can they people can rant and rave uh not rant and rave people can groan and say, oh, you know, this thing isn't a very common thing. Even if this was the, the single, the only shooting, mass shooting, or school shooting, to ever have happened in the United States, that is one more that sh- than that should ever occur. Not just in the United States, but in the entire world. Obviously, we live in a, we live in a challenging and trying world. Evil people exist. Evil exists. Mental illness exists. Mental illness that has spiraled out of control and has been ignored and has been and has been exasperated just from being ignored. That exists, unfortunately, and that is definitely the case with the perpetrator. For obvious reasons, I'm not going to name the person. I'm not going to read their manifest. I'm. I don't. I don't know if there's a manifest. I just know that from. From what has come out through the media, the mainstream media, and even some independent journalism on this person, is that he was clearly mentally ill. And, yeah. That all being said, of course, that does not excuse the behavior. That does not excuse the crime. That does not excuse the tragedy. I've talked about it before. Most people, I believe... And statistically, in the United States, have at least one mental illness. That's all I'm going to say about this guy. The guy's dead, thankfully. I believe he was gunned down by law enforcement. There are conflicting reports on whether it was a border patrol agent or it was a cop. Doesn't really matter. The guy no longer is living. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'm not sure if I wished he was to stand trial and suffer for the rest of his life. I'm not sure if I'd want him to, you know, get killed in prison or get shot by a law-abiding citizen. I'm not sure. That's all I'm going to say when it comes to this guy. Actually, one more thing. Before I get into gun control talks and, and talks about arming teachers and all that stuff, there's a lot of... Speculation on whether or not certain gun control laws that are currently active in different states, if they would have been able to prevent this tragedy from happening, but I'll get into into that a little bit later. But as far as I know, this gun was legally purchased a few days after the shooter turned 18, purchased it legally, and in my brief look into gun laws in Texas, you can actually, I think, most... Let me let me pull it up, actually. I have it on uh, my browser right here. So, Texas is one of the few states that actually allows people to purchase a firearm when they're 18, I believe. So, um, let's see. Yeah, in Texas, I'm... I, I just found it, and I don't know why I didn't highlight it, but hopefully this doesn't come off as disrespectful, but I'm but I'm pretty sure that in Texas you're allowed to buy a firearm of any kind because Texas doesn't actually... It, it, the, the law is tricky, but they don't really have any laws that differentiate long guns, so rifles, automatic or semi-automatic, or bolt action. They don't actually separate or differentiate handguns revolvers and long guns i believe if texas i believe texas just wants you to register the gun register the firearm and that's it that's all you have to do very relaxed very easy to get a gun to get a firearm in texas so that all being said i've talked about this before majority of the mass shootings in the united states are committed by gangs it's usually gang violence and the guns, the firearms that are used in these mass shootings are overwhelming majority of them are obtained illegally. Unfortunately, in this case, there it depends on the gun laws. There could have been gun laws that prevented this guy from getting a firearm or really from getting an an automatic rifle. In other states, you have to be 21 and you have to obtain a hunting license before you purchase a rifle or a shotgun when it comes to automatic rifles though it's it's hard for me to find i I, i've been trying to read extensively into texas's gun laws but it's been it's hard to find articles that aren't opinion pieces kind of covering the shooting itself i want to i want to look at at you know gun law articles and journals and databases but Anyway, it's, it's just one of those things I, I thought of, I've thought of a few solutions. I thought of a few things that could potentially prevent something like this from happening in the future, but it all comes down to whether or not the people and whether the government in Texas wants to move forward with it, because I believe automatic rifles are federally banned but of course it's left up to states to obviously allow the purchase of a rifle at the age of 18 or 21 so there are a few things i want to get into first i want to talk about the bad solutions the 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 worst ideas that i've heard of from lawmakers and from normal citizens that i hope are not actually voting because ugh. I, that's all I'll say. I've seen a lot of people on social media. I've seen a lot of senators merely hours, just a couple hours after the the shooting was reported, getting on Twitter, getting on Facebook, you know, getting on whatever platform they have and using their voice to put out some of the worst ideas possible. There was a senator, You know, I wish I would have taken down his name. It doesn't really matter. I'm sure it'll be easy for you to find if you're interested in it. But there was a senator who said, he just was typing it like it was fact. He said, schools, single point of entry, single exit, armed bodyguards, armed guards in every single classroom. It's like, are you serious, dude? What kind of environment are you? Why is that the solution that you're willing to reach? Why are you willing to do something like that? And allow that allow kids to be learning in an environment and growing and forming their identity and develop developing. Why why will you go to that step before pursuing other steps? That when I you know reiterate them today, most of them are not solutions that I've come up with myself. They're solutions that have been voiced for for years and years. What kind of message are you sending kids? By third graders, by having them sit in a room where there's some stone-faced killer sitting in the corner. Who's going to be doing the hiring of this? Who, who's going to be doing the background checks on these armed guards to make sure that they're not, you know, a threat to the kids? How are the kids going to feel when they want to not, when they challenge authority? When they want to question the lesson especially as you get into middle school and high school and kids want to actually rebel but in a a, you know a scholarly way when they want to ask questions when they want to push back on a theory when they want to push back on a lesson when they want to debate over philosophy debate over politics debate over science and religion things that you're allowed to do in school and that you should be allowed to do what's going to happen when a kid wants to question the teacher or push back on something the teacher is arguing like the teacher's playing devil's advocate, what's gonna happen when that kid's thinking about raising his hand, but he looks in the front corner by the the single the single entry classroom and sees a stone faced killer with you know strapped with body armor and multiple firearms. What kind of message does that send kids? That has got to be one of the worst ideas and so called solutions that I've heard come up with. The person who said it is most likely you know. Filling their pockets with NRA money. They're most likely a corrupt piece of trash grifter. And they deserve to, they deserve all of the, you know, nothing physical, no harassment, but they deserve all the pushback that they're receiving. And I hope that people remember those words and those tweets and those posts and those videos of that person saying that when they go to vote in their state elections in their, uh, county elections as well. That's an awful solution. So throw that in the garbage and don't ever, don't ever bring it up again. Please, please. The next worst solution I've heard is of course, not actually a popular opinion. Contrary to belief, taking all guns away is not a very popular opinion. Most classical, and when I mean when I say classical, I mean real liberals, those who support limited government power, limited government reach, but also acknowledge the need for a little bit of government. Most classic liberals are firearm owners themselves, and they're, and even those who are not firearm owners themselves, they are. Pro Second Amendment. So, what do I mean by that? I have actually a majority of my family members are, as far as I know, registered Democrats, definitely lean left with most things, if not all things. And I have a lot of diehard Democratic family members that have firearms in their house. They're responsible gun owners. They teach gun safety. They have their firearms locked up in cabinets. They don't go pointing them at people that pass by their house. They go hunting every once in a while. That is actually a majority of Americans. There are a select few very radical, brainwashed, and I think, at the end of the day, scared people that think all guns should be illegal in the United States. They believe private citizens should not be allowed to own firearms of any kind. I think most of that stems from... Uh, maybe a small fraction of that fraction of the minority, they are hearing someone radical that is in office, like Beto O'Rourke, saying things like, oh yeah, we need to take off, we're coming for all your guns, we're coming for your assault rifles, we're coming for your assault weapons. I know what they're trying to say when they say assault weapons, but that's not a technical term, and people who actually... Our responsible gun owners are laughing at you as you say stupid stuff like that. But a majority of people, I believe, that are anti-gun ownership, I believe it's because firearms are intimidating to them, they're scared of them, they haven't been taught gun safety, they've probably not ever been around a firearm as it's being fired, they've never fired one themselves, and I believe if everybody was to learn firearm safety, it would least make them less intimidated and less scared of them and more understanding that it's a tool for hunting or it's a tool for defense that hopefully you never have to use but that's what it is it's a serious tool it's a powerful tool and it's something that you need to take seriously and anybody who owns a firearm should know gun safety and that's going to be one of the things that I talk about a little bit later. So taking all firearms away, that's one of the worst solutions. Unfortunately, the media likes to amplify small minorities and make their voice sound louder, make their message sound like it's more accepted in broader terms. But for the most part, there are not a lot of People Now, there are not a lot of politicians that are proposing an outright, complete private citizen gun ownership ban. That's the case with a lot of very radical things. There are actually not a lot of people that support a lot of radical ideas, but they're the loudest and everyone else is afraid to counter them or speak out against them. So they seem louder and more popular than they actually are. One of the other really awful solutions I've heard was... And this wasn't actually brought up for the first time with the Uvalde shooting. It was brought up in the past. I I think the talks really started around the Parkland shooting in, I believe, 2018 or 2017. And that was arming teachers, which I think is an even worse idea than having armed bodyguards and a single point of entry and single exit and all that. Do I think there should be better security in schools? Absolutely. I went to a, uh, to two different high schools in throughout my life. One of them had next to no security. had like a rental cop that was there. I don't even know if he had a gun on him. Hopefully, whatever. And the other one had bar had it had locked doors until you identify until you identified yourself and your purpose of being there. And then before that, there were bars. There was uh you know fence not a fence but there were like metal bars uh, of a gate around surrounding the entire school so it was really hard to, for someone to like sneak on the school to do something like that it was it perfect no but it was better than having no security anyway the arming teachers concept is not only it's it's not only logistically nearly impossible to do it's also hypocritical so for the past few years and more so recently since the uh, pushback from from the public with the uh, quote-unquote don't say gay bill which I've talked about I read the bill word for word what it actually says from the Florida Florida Senate's website the don't say gay bill you know you guys know my thoughts on that I'm not going to talk about it in here but it went from most people Bad-mouthing teachers, talking about how most of them or all of them are pedophile groomers. I've said that a lot of them are. Especially the ones that are, you know, the ones that are getting fired in Florida, obviously, are grooming children in, in some fashion because that's what they were fired. That's what the Don't Say Gay bill does. Um, it protects it protects children from kindergarten to third grade from being groomed and being talked to by some creep psycho about sexual identity and gender pronouns and all that stuff. So we went from taking massive dumps on teachers, talking about how people uh, people don't have respect for teachers, they don't deserve to get paid, teachers suck, teachers are lazy, teachers become teachers because it's an easy job to do, you know, teachers are abusing children, they're grooming them. So you went from talking and saying all these disparaging things about teachers to now we should put a firearm in their hands. What kind of leap in logic is that? That's an awful idea. Assuming you fire all the bad teachers in the entire planet and you hire new ones and you vouch for them, you do background checks on them and you make sure they're, they're safe to put in front of kids Logistically, not even just talking about the training issue, I truly believe America can do anything that it wants to, and it can come up with the money to do something like this, if it was a good solution, which it isn't. They could come up with the money and the resources to train teachers. But how can you consistently train teachers in all public schools across all 50 states and the territories of the United States? Who's going to train them? Some trainers are better than others. Some trainers that teach gun safety and teach fire firearm tactics or strategies or whatever, they're teaching actors how to look cool in movies. They're teaching Keanu Reeves how to look cool in uh, The Matrix and John Wick. And then there are some that might not teach trigger discipline as well, or they might not teach only pointing the firearm at something that you plan on shooting at it's it's a logistical nightmare and the other thing is how many times can you recall if you're a teacher and you're listening to this or you're a you're someone who has been to school so every single person that has that is listening to this podcast and that will in the future you've been to school how many times have you yourself or a teacher misplaced a pen a calculator a stapler a hole puncher paper clips what happens when, where, where's the firearm going to be held? Where can it be safely held? In a desk drawer? In a desk drawer that doesn't have a key? In a, in a, a 10-year-old desk drawer because the, the state government doesn't want to use the funding properly? The desk drawer that the teacher probably paid for themselves with their measly salary, their $20 an hour salary. Did you know that? I bet you didn't know that the average hourly salary for the United States, For teachers is $20 an hour. What if the teacher misplaces the firearm? What if they go to the bathroom and they forget that the firearm is in an unlocked part of their desk and a kid gets a hold of it and shoots themselves themselves, or they accidentally shoot someone in the class. What happens when there's a teacher that is a bad teacher and a bad person and they're overwhelmed and they're stressed? Of course, I'm not giving them a pass. You shouldn't kill people. You shouldn't cause harm to people unless it's in self-defense. What about the bad teachers and the bad people and the unstable people and the mentally ill people, which a lot of them are in teaching roles in the United States, especially in public education, even in colleges. You're going to give them a firearm? What if there's a kid that's acting up and for the first the, le- the past three months of the year, the teachers had beef with them and their parents? What if they decide to to call for a meeting with the parents and they shoot them? I know I'm coming up with some crazy scenarios, but these are things that we have to think about. When you come up with solutions, with so-called solutions where you put firearms in the hands of underpaid, overworked, and sometimes bad teachers, come on, this is a sh- this is a horrible, horrible idea. And anybody who thinks it's a good idea, I'd really like to talk to you, and maybe you'll explain it. Maybe you'll maybe you'll cover for all the, the logistical issues and the security issues and all that stuff. Maybe I'm wrong. I've yet to hear a compelling argument for arming teachers to prevent school shootings. Now let's get into what I think could be some potential solutions. So I'm going to address two things. One, gun laws, and two, mental health. Number one, when it comes to gun laws, like I said, I have lots of family members who are legal gun owners. I don't know of anybody who illegally owns a gun in my family or of my friends. If I did, I'm not going to talk about them on the podcast, obviously. There's a process to go through to purchase a firearm, depending on what type it is, sometimes, If you're in Texas, not so much. Could be changing soon. Depending on what state you live in, sometimes even what city you live in, how old you are, your mental capacity, your criminal record, your... Your... um, Yeah. There are different licenses depending on what type of firearm you're buying, like I said, in different states. I think, and this is where it gets tricky, because the federal government can pass gun laws all they want, but states can pass different gun laws. And I think they should be able to as well because depending on where you are in the United States, hunting may be more prevalent than in other states. Places like Colorado and Alaska, obviously probably almost everybody in Alaska probably has a firearm for protection and for hunting. So I encourage people to vote if it becomes an issue and if it's not an issue to vote on in your state or in your county in your voting district bring it up start getting people to sign signatures get some signatures so you can bring it to your government's attention you have that power your vote matters make these politicians earn it i think when it comes to gun laws there should be If there's a state, you know, if some states have this already, but every state should have a different, they need to clearly define a firearm. They need to clearly define a handgun, the differences between a handgun, a revolver, an automatic rifle, a semi-automatic rifle, a long gun, a bolt-action rifle. These things need to be defined in a clearer manner once they're defined clearly by the federal government then the states can kind of tinker with the laws and who deserves who who can go out and get apply for and get approved for a license so of course like i was saying there are different licenses there are hunting licenses there are concealed carry licenses there's open carry licenses in whichever states have open carry but there needs to be a different license if you are going to allow automatic rifles to be owned by private citizens in the united states you need to have a different law you need to have a different license i mean for people to be able to obtain an automatic rifle i do not believe that nobody should be allowed to own an automatic rifle and i voiced my opinion on that in the past but that all being said I believe there needs to be a different license for owning a handgun or owning, owning a long gun. And if you do go from, if you own, let's say, a uh, a nine millimeter handgun, a nine millimeter pistol, and then you also own a semi-automatic hunting rifle, but that, um, that hunting rifle, the semi-automatic automatic rifle needs to have a different license and different requirements to obtain that license. As well as, there needs to be a different license for owning an automatic rifle as well. I believe when it comes to going from a handgun to a hunting rifle to an automatic rifle, there needs to be obviously stricter requirements and stricter rules for applying for those licenses. For example, if, you, if I own a 9mm pistol and I want to buy a, an M16 I believe that I should be allowed to. I could talk about, you know, I could argue, I could debate with someone on whether or not anybody deserves to or should be allowed to legally own uh, an automatic rifle. But for the sake of this episode, I'm going to assume that everybody believes, oh no, I'm going to argue. I'm going to take the stance. I'm sure you guys get what I'm trying to say. Sorry, I'm trying to get to the point. If someone owns a 9mm pistol and they want to buy an automatic rifle, one of I'm going to lay out the steps. Obviously, they're going to need to apply. But whoever is issuing the license needs to go through, and I believe they need to make the person who's applying for the license take a few tests. One, they need to take a test to show that they are psychologically healthy. I don't care if that's administered by the license Firm. I don't care if it's administered by a doctor. They could go get a doctor's note. They could go to a psychologist's note, I mean. They need to be able to prove that they are psychologically fit to own an automatic rifle. Obviously, if they fail this test, then you know there could be steps to take to take the other firearms away because they've already shown that they you know, are not fit to own an automatic rifle. They probably shouldn't own a pistol either. Psychological test, number one. Number two, a safety and skill test. A person needs to be able to show that they can safely fire and they can safely store and safely hold a pistol before they can move on to an automatic rifle because they're two different guns. They, most of the time, take two different... Cal- uh, two different ammunition types or ammunition sizes they have different cleaning cleaning steps to go through if you're going from handgun to automatic rifle i don't believe you should get your you should be allowed to get your automatic your your handgun license to to purchase a handgun at 18 and then 3 months later be able to get an automatic rifle i think there should be a 5 year gap I think you need to have, of course, obviously, it's a given, you need to have a clear criminal record. I don't even want a, a neighbor disagreement on a criminal record. I don't think there should be any room for danger when it comes to this to an individual. And they also need to have shown that they've been a responsible gun owner for the five years that they've owned the pistol, or the ten years that they've owned. I think five years should be the minimum for a few reasons. One, so you so they can prove so time has passed that they've owned the gun and they haven't committed crimes. They haven't assaulted anybody. They haven't brandished it in public. They haven't threatened anybody with it. All, but also I've talked about this before and I keep I keep on repeating it because it's it, it it's being it's coming to my mind in every instance, especially when it when it has something to do with big decisions. An 18-year-old's brain is not fully formed. They're not completely stable. Some mature faster than others. Some develop faster than others. But that all being said, there needs to be a standard set. An 18-year-old should not be allowed to purchase an automatic rifle. On their own. They shouldn't be allowed to own one on their own. If they're under the supervision of their parents, and their parents can only take them out to go hunting or whatever, that is the only case when I think it's, it's acceptable. But you you can't trust an undeveloped young adult to have weapons and tools as deadly as firearms. You just can't. I'm sorry. You can't. So when it comes to gun laws, I believe there should be a b- basic foundational laws that include psychological tests and that improve very stringent criminal background checks as well as a skill slash safety test and a I'm trying to think of the word a competence test because because you can get a you could somehow pass an online test to get a pistol but then when you go take the competence test you have poor trigger discipline you don't put the firearm in safety after you're done firing it you reload it while you're reloading it the magazine, you have the gun pointing down range at other people, those kinds of things should hinder you and prevent you from being able to own an automatic rifle. Those are the basics of my gun law kind of solution. I'm sure there are people, I, I know there are people that know more about gun laws out there. I'm aware that there are some States that do have this implemented, but it needs to be consistent throughout all of the United States, every state, including the territories. As far as the mental health aspect goes, mental health is in a very scary place in the United States. Before the pandemic, people were in a fragile spot. Like I said, I, I, everybody I know has some kind, some semblance of a mental illness, usually more than one. Most people I know and most people, if they're not showing it still have them and this is where it can get kind of tricky because the shooter in the Uvalde shooting he apparently had he was messaging a girl privately saying some like very psycho things some very psychotic crazy insane things and sent I think he was sending her pictures of his guns so there were signs There were lots of signs. All you had to do was see this guy's social media post to know that he was insane. But that's where it gets tricky. Because a lot of people are advocating for anybody who has ever said or typed or posted or texted or emailed anything or written down anything that could be looked at or seen in an insane or a psychotic or a mentally ill light. They should never be allowed to own a firearm. That I think is not the solution, and I think it's a slippery slope, because you guys know me. you've heard my podcast, lots of people know me personally and know that I'm a very stable guy. you know I, I have my struggles or whatever. but I've said some dark jokes before. Do, are dark uh, comedians that that use dark humor, that make dark jokes? Should they be prevented from purchasing a firearm because they made a joke? I'm hesitant to give that power to any agency or any background check company or the government because they could take advantage of that and they could abuse it and we could have another version of Australia and Canada right now. Possibly Canada is looking at uh, a gun buyback. Um, So Canada is stepping towards disarming their population, but they're going to have some issues because there are A lot of Canadians love their guns, not as much as Americans, but they love their guns too. Anyway, there needs to be not just a conversation, but there needs to actually start to be progress and better funding and better allocation of resources when it comes to addressing mental health in America and around the world. I'm sick and tired of just seeing people do the lazy thing about, you know, posting, oh, it's it's suicide awareness, it's anxiety awareness, it's depression awareness month. I'm going to make this one post and I'm going to be done with it. That's nice. Awareness is great. But once you have people's once you have people's attention, what do you do next? I've talked about in the past potential and this kind of goes hand in hand with criminal justice reform. I think there needs to be a complete overhaul of The state of psychology and the state of therapy and the state of mental health investigations or rehabilitation in America. I think that the government should incentivize with benefit packages and with pay and with student loan forgiveness, they should incentivize people becoming psychiatrist or psychologist or majoring in psychology. I've, I know that a lot of people when they don't know what, what, what they want to major in, in school, they pick psychology because they like learning about personality types and they like watching serial killer documentaries. I'm aware of that, but there needs to be a complete overhaul of, of the way that that, that subject is taught. And I believe there should be I don't know if it should be, it it probably should be state by state, but there should be multiple state of the art, top of the food chain, mental health facilities and institutions state by state. And in bigger states like California, more populated states like California, New York, Florida, Texas, you need to have more than one, maybe by district, maybe have one in each district. I don't care how much it costs. Because no amount of money can replace the loss of human life, whether it's an elderly person that's already on their deathbed, or it's a child. The loss of human life cannot be placed under a certain price tag. America has the power. It is the most powerful country in the world. I don't care what anybody says. America has the power to do anything. And it absolutely can come up with better solutions than I've than I've suggested. It can tweak the suggestions that I've given if I've given any good ones. But no matter what, something needs to happen to prevent this from happening in the future. Obviously, I've already addressed those that point out the school shootings are not common. I don't care if they're common or not. I don't care if there's one a year. I don't care if there's ever just been one in a country or in a state or in a city that's one more than that should ever occur so hopefully what i'm what i what i tried to say was coherent let me kind of summarize it to finish and close off this episode one on the gun law side there should be a consistent difference between the requirements for obtaining a handgun a rifle or an automatic rifle. There needs, They need to be clearly defined and there needs to be different laws and stricter requirements depending on what type of firearm you're applying for and that you can own. And along with those licenses, there needs to be psychological tests and there needs to be competence-slash-safety-slash-skill tests. Point blank period. No, I don't think those agencies should be looking at every single Facebook post or every text that someone has said where they're joking with their friends about whatever. That's not what I'm saying. It needs to be strictly a test of their mental capacity and a test of their competency with firearms. Number two, there needs to be a complete overhaul and improvement when it comes to the way that we address and the way that we rehabilitate those with mental illnesses. Because it's always... A Given it's a common thing. It's a common theme when it comes to people who commit mass shootings They're either psycho like the Uvalde shooter The parkland shooter and every school shooter that's ever existed, but also Those who are mentally ill and And they they are felons and they're having trouble keeping jobs. So they resort to joining gangs this would address the problem in its major spots obviously we don't live in a perfect world i know that but we absolutely can and should improve every single day every single system that 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 we can even those that you even those that you don't think need improvement we can absolutely improve them yes we don't live in a perfect world but let's strive For a perfect world, or a more perfect world, or a safer world, a world where parents can send their kids to public school without ever having the thought cross their mind that they could never come home. Let's continue to improve as a country, continue to improve as a people, continue to improve as a human race, and do our best to keep people safe, to keep the children safe. It's hard enough already, as is. To exist in this world. It's hard enough to make your way in this world. And it's especially hard when you're a kid. And there are a million things going on at the same time. Change is going on with your mental capacity. With your understanding for life. Your understanding of your identity. Your role. Do it for the kids. I don't care how much it costs. I don't care how long it takes. Improvements need to be made though. And not just in the wake of a tragedy, but every single day, everybody and every system should seek to improve. Period. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you can, if you can find it in your means, if you wish to, if you think that it'll help, I encourage people to donate or support anybody who's been affected. And not just the Uvalde shooting, but in any tragedy. In any tragedy. Thank you for tuning into the episode. I hope you got something from this. And uh, yeah, appreciate life. Appreciate life. Smell the roses. Look up at the beautiful blue sky. Listen to the birds chirping in the morning. Because it can be taken in an instant. It should never be. But it can be. And appreciate your loved ones. Appreciate your family. Appreciate your friends. And don't take anything for granted. That's it's cliche, but I do my best to live by it, and I I I think it benefits me, and I think it it will benefit you too. So thank you for tuning into this episode. I'll catch you guys on the next one. As always, stay safe, stay away from those crazies out there. Thank you.